Welcome to the first episode of the Athletics Pit Podcast. I'm Jordan Klein, your host. Obviously, it's our first episode. We're going to be trying recording and publishing on Thursdays. As of now, that's not that's subject to change. As I don't know what's going to happen with this quarantine. If I ever go back to school, if I ever do, that might change. Um, so it's just me for now. I might have somebody else come join me full time, but I don't know for sure about that yet. But especially since right now things are a bit slow, you know, with this coronavirus, there's not much going on in the world of sports. I'm going to have guests in the future, and I have a special announcement at the end of who's going to be joining me on our next podcast. I know you guys are going to like this guest that I have coming on next week. So today, we're going to start with the biggest thing that's happened in Pitt athletics the past few weeks, which is the departure of Trey McGowan's. McGowan's was a big-time recruit coming out of high school, top 100, four-star. He reclassified from the class of 2019 up to 2018 to join the Pitt program. He was Jeff Capel's first recruit at Pitt, and he really he wasn't just a cornerstone, obviously, as the highest-rated recruit in the 2018 class. He wasn't just the cornerstone of that class. He was the cornerstone of the whole rebuild essentially, last season. Two 30-point games and wins over Florida State and Louisville. I mean, he was a bit inconsistent his freshman year, but he showed flashes that this kid could become a potential superstar. And he looked really good. Jeff Capel loved him. And Trey McGowan's, although we might shame him for transferring now, he doesn't deserve that. He committed to this program after they went 0-18. Jeff Capel was hired, had never coached a game at Pitt. And he, Trey McGowan's never even visited campus before, before uh, making his commitment. Jeff Capel visited him in South Carolina, where he lived, and he got him to reclassify up, and he committed. And to see that, without the commitment of Trey McGowan's, the pit rebuild would not be in the spot it's in today. Because he started the chain reaction, obviously, then you got the commitment of Audie's Tony, who's a pretty highly rated recruit, and Xavier Johnson, who's not as highly rated at the time. But without Trey McGowan's, I mean, you don't know. I don't know if this rebuild would be at going as quickly as it's going, but it's, it, it sucks to see him go. But I think the move makes sense for both sides. Obviously, you saw the quote from his father, who played Division One basketball and football, that Trey, he wanted to play the point guard position, obviously, at Pitt. That was not going to happen because Xavier Johnson's just a better point guard than him. Uh, Johnson has a better handle. He has better court vision. He's smarter, higher IQ, and he's just better point guard. And I don't know if – I don't think McGowan's – he has to do a lot of work if he wants to be a top-tier uh, high major point guard because obviously he's great athleticism. He's great at driving to the basket, but his handle – is not very good. He, If you have him bring the ball up the court against the press, he struggled a lot with that last year. And I think that's definitely going to hurt him if he's going to be a full-time point guard at the high major level. He ended up at Nebraska under Fred Hoiberg. I was a bit surprised by that. I thought he would end up somewhere closer to home since obviously that was a big thing. I thought that would be a big thing for him. I thought he would end up at like South Carolina, Arkansas, Alabama, somewhere in the SEC. But as I look more into it, the move to Nebraska, it actually does make a lot of sense. They play very fast. They had one of the top paces of play last year in uh, all of college basketball. Obviously, transition is 
getting steals and going in transition is one of McGowan's strengths, as we've seen in his two years at Pitt. He's also going to be playing under Fred Hoiberg, who runs a very NBA-like system. He likes to play fast. He likes to play open. And I think that suits McGowan's strengths at Nebraska. He'll be also be developed by coach who's developed NBA guards. Fred Hoiberg coached for the Chicago Bulls. And I think overall, it's a good fit for McGowan's over there in Nebraska. I don't know if he'll be eligible immediately. Obviously, you never know what the NCAA is going to do with the waivers. But I think Nebraska is a pretty good fit for Trey McGowan's. Fits his strengths and obviously playing under NBA former NBA coach Fred Hoiberg is a plus. Now we're going to go into the most important thing if you're a Pitt fan, which is why McGowan's left. I, the first thing that I think contribute to, contributed to him leaving, besides him wanting to play point guard, was the emergence of Ethel Horton. I mean, you heard Jeff Cable talk all year about how Ethel Horton is one of the best scorers in the league and how he was one of Pitt's, if not Pitt's, best player in practice. Uh, Ethel Horton, he was definitely in line to start at the two-guard next year, and I don't think McGowan wanted to come off the bench. I mean, Horton, from everything I've heard from everybody who has the inside information, Horton is an elite scorer. He's not just the spot-up shooter that many people are making him out to be. Yes, he will spot up a lot in the corner and get catch-and-shoot off an Xavier Johnson drive or an Audi's Tony drive, but the one thing I don't think people are seeing is his all-around scoring ability. He is not just a catch-and-shoot guy. He can shoot off the bounce. He can shoot off the pick-and-roll. He can Also, he can score at all three levels. So he can catch-and-shoot threes, threes off the dribble, mid-range off a pick-and-roll, or he can get to the rim and finish through contact. He's an elite scorer. He's not just a shooter. I think one of the reasons why Pitt fans might not be seeing that is because, number one, it's not really the player who he was at Delaware. At Delaware, he was more of a spot of shooter, although he developed more of a complete scoring game closer to the end of the year. And I also think it's because Pitt's never had a player, at least from 2000 on, which is when most fans know about the history of Pitt basketball, Pitt's never had a player who could score like Ito Horton, a player who could score from all three levels, from three at the rack and in the mid-range, a player who could shoot off the dribble, who could shoot off the shoot off a catch and shoot. And Jeff Capel compared to Elijah Hughes, who obviously was the leading scorer for Syracuse this year, in my opinion, the best scorer in the ACC. Horton doesn't have the size or athleticism of Hughes, but Hughes is an elite scorer. Hughes can score at all three levels, off the bounce, at the rim, on a catch and shoot. And Pitts never had a player like that, as I was saying. I mean, look back at some of the great players in the early 2000s era. Um, Brandon Knight, obviously, was not like that. Um, Carl Krauser, he was good, but he wasn't. He couldn't score like the way Ethel Horton is going to be able to score next year. Obviously, it's the downgrade defensively, as McGowan's was a very good defender, but Horton's just an elite scorer. And especially on the recruiting trail, losing R.J. Davis at the last minute to North Carolina, that one hurt. But Horton, in my opinion, obviously Horton is a shooting guard. Davis was a point guard. He reminds me a lot in terms of scoring ability, a lot of R.J. Davis in the way that they can shoot. They can score at all three levels. They can shoot off the bounce. They can shoot off catches, and they're very good in the pick and roll. Just everything I've heard about Ethel Horton and everything I've seen on tape just reminds me so much of R.J. Davis. And 
I think he'll be the leading scorer for Pitt next year. He's just an elite scorer, and along with Xavier Johnson, they're going to make an elite backcourt duo in the ACC next year. Pitt fans be very excited for Ethel Horton to take the court next year. I know I'm giving him a lot of hype, but the hype is warranted. He is going to be a very, very good scorer next season. And that just takes me to our next topic, which is our roster breakdown for next year. Obviously, you have a very good core of four guys in terms of Xavier Johnson, who'll be a junior next year, more experienced. Horton at the two, as I just mentioned. And on the wings, you have Tony, Audis Tony. Obviously, his return was huge. I'm not going to get into that. And Champagny at the four, Justin Champagny. Obviously, big freshman year from him, but there's still a lot of room to grow from him, get developing a better handle. And obviously improving on that three-point stroke. So it's a very that's a very solid core next year. I mean, obviously, Xavier Johnson, he's had his struggles. I know fans, in my opinion, have been overly critical of him. He doesn't deserve a lot of the criticism he's taken from Pitt fans. Um, he's a good player, I think, especially with Trey McGowan's alongside him. The two the two players, their strengths just they didn't work well together. And I think with a guy like Ethel Horton, he'll be a lot better in terms of the driving lanes will be there for him as Horton's much better at spacing the floor and it gives him a guy to drive and kick to. Um, Tony, we saw he made huge strides this year. He became just better in all facets of of his game. He became a better shooter. He obviously did a great job driving to the rim um, and on putbacks and off passes from Xavier. Uh, Champagny also very athletic. We saw what he can do. Very smooth stroke. Um, had a very good stroke. He was a very solid free throw shooter, but he shot less than thirty percent from three. And I think I think he'll end up being a pretty good three point shooter. I think it would be good if Pitt could get him to shoot around thirty five percent, thirty four, thirty five percent. Um, I think part of the reason for that is Justin Champagny. If you if you look at some of his interviews, he never shot threes. Until he came to Pitt. I mean, I'm not surprised Pitt started letting him shoot threes, even though if he's not going to start making them right away. He's a very, has a pretty shot. If you just look at all the guys on Pitt, the exception of Horton, watch him shoot. Champagny's stroke, although he shot a very low percentage from three, just a good looking stroke, very good fundamentally. And I think it'll just take, it'll take time, but he'll definitely become a good three point shooter next year in his junior and senior year. Obviously, he'll work very hard at eight, we all know. He's one of the hardest working players on that pit team. And so with that, with Champagne, Tony, Xavier, and Ethel Horton, you have a very good four, very good core, excuse me, of four guys who are legit ACC guys. But that leaves one hole in that starting lineup, which is in the front court. I mean, obviously, the headliner of this recruiting class, John Hughley, will be coming in next year. He can help fill the front court needs. At 6'9", he's a pretty big dude, but also very skilled. Very, He's a good three-point shooter, good passer, great hand inside. And this brings me to my next question, which is who is going to get most of the minutes at the five next year for Pitt? Because you have John Hughley, obviously, coming in, Terrell Brown, and Terrell Brown, who's been a bit underwhelming, obviously. He has a lot of potential, but Pitt fans... I mean, there's a lot that you can get from him. He brings it on some games, but he's just extremely inconsistent, and he's yet to put together a very good season or a season that he can put together. 
Obviously, Kareem Koulibaly, he showed a lot of very encouraging signs at the end of his um, at the end of last year, as he's not the most athletic, but pretty good size, very good length, and he's very skilled, great footwork, good rebounder, probably the best offensively out of any of those three big men. And you have uh, Max and Madison coming in next year. I don't think he'll be able to provide that many minutes at the five. I wouldn't be surprised if he redshirts. He's more of a developmental big. It's Hughley is more of a skilled, polished player at this point in time. That brings me to my question is who is going to start? I personally think it will be John Hughley. Terrell Brown, as much potential as he has with his size and length and his shot-blocking ability, he just hasn't shown that he has what it takes to be a legit five in the ACC. He just hasn't shown the toughness. He hasn't shown the ability to want to rebound, to want to defend. He doesn't have very good hands. And I think Hughley, John Hughley, if you watch his games, if you talk to the people around him, the people who've played or coached him, he is he's fierce. He's a very hard worker. He'll go up against anybody. And I think Hughley, I think he'll definitely get minutes at the five next year. I think he'll get more minutes than Terrell Brown. Yeah. Because Hughley, he, based on what I've seen from him, he just has more, he has a more, he's more of, he shows more of a will to win than Terrell Brown. Terrell Brown, I hate to use this term when describing a player, but Terrell Brown is a little bit soft. He's not always going up, he's not always going up strong, he's not always fighting for rebounds, but I think Hughley, I also think Hughley will challenge him in practice, which will be huge for Terrell Brown. Hughley will challenge him. He'll be tough. And I think that Hughley can spread some of his toughness around that pit front court into Terrell Brown and Kareem Koulibaly and Max and Madison. And I think, obviously, he's a very good pickup for the Panthers next year. Um, And I think he'll definitely start at the five next year over Terrell Brown and over Kareem Koulibaly. That brings me to Koulibaly. I don't think he'll start next year because I think Hughley is just a better overall player than him. But I think Koulibaly is going to provide very good minutes next year. He provides a lot of energy off the bench. Obviously, you saw when he was in, he, out of all the bigs last year between uh, Terrell Brown and uh, Eric Hamilton, he had the most energy. He was the most engaged. I mean, you hear Jeff Cable talk about him. Jeff Cable said even the way he runs into the game, he's always bringing that energy. When his number is called, he's bringing an energy and a spark to the floor that the other bigs did not provide last year. And I think that's very important from a guy like Koulibaly. He'll bring some energy. He'll bring some offense. And I think he'll play a very good 15, 20 minutes per game next year off the bench. He's the backup big man. And I think he's a very good piece to have for the future, especially off the bench, bringing, um, bringing a spark. And that brings me to, after talking about John Hughley and all the big men, is how, is Pitt, how does Pitt want to play next year? Because obviously this year and last year you played small because you didn't have that much size. Um, I see Pitt going with a primary lineup of Champagny at the four and Hughley or Brown and Koulibaly at the five. But Hughley has made huge strides in his game. And obviously, if you look at pictures, he's made huge progress in terms of his body and his physique. He used to be a little bit overweight, but now his athleticism has transformed. He's much more athletic. He's much more well-conditioned. And now he seems to be developing into what could be an ACC power forward. If you can have Hughley 
at the power forward, that's huge. It provides a lot of size. Obviously, it would be a little tough for him defensively, but that size, rebounding, more scoring, and then you can slide Champagny or Tony to the three. I don't think this would be a full-time lineup next year, but Hughley as an ACC four in terms of his ability to stretch the floor, play inside and outside, I think he can be a pretty dominant ACC four in his junior or senior year just because of his skill combined with his great size. And I think I think he's shown that he's willing to put in the work and develop the athleticism as he's been doing. Um, obviously, he's lost a ton of weight, become much more athletic and well-conditioned. And this just brings me, his pick going to want to play with more athleticism in terms of playing Tony and Champagne at the three and the four and then Hughley at the five. Or they're going to play with more size. With Hughley, play some minutes with Hughley at the four. Tony or Champagne at the three. And either Brown or Koulali at the five. Um, it'll just show a lot mainly for the future. Because Jeff Capel has the personnel to play two bigs. Unlike what he's had in the past. It'll show a lot about how he wants to play. And does he want to play with two bigs inside. Or does he want to play with two guys out on the wing. And... Pitt, obviously, that with the additions of John Hughley, recently Femi Odukale, uh, Noah Collier, Max Madison, Pitt has filled 11 of the 13 scholarships, so they're still looking for two guys to round out the class. Um, one guy who Pitt has been in on was Trey Murphy, the second. He's a transfer from Rice. He's down to Pitt, obviously, and then Houston, UVA, and Villanova to round out his final four. He reminds me a lot of... Cameron Johnson, actually. I know Pitt fans. He doesn't have the best reputation among Pitt fans. But he got to college at around 6'4", 6'5". He grew a few inches. Now he's 6'8". So, obviously, that's great size on the wing. He can play the two. He can play the three. He averaged 13 points per game last year at Rice. Um, shot 37% from three. Very versatile. Good athlete. Um, provides length on the defensive end. And obviously Pitt, obviously Pitt is some strong competition with Houston and then Virginia and Villanova. So Murphy's obviously a very good player. And he had did one of those virtual visits with Pitt the other day with Coach Jeff Cable, showing him around the facilities. But it's tough to make a decision in the time we're in. You can't visit a school. You can't meet with the coach face-to-face. And I think it changes a lot in, in recruitments. But with Trey Murphy, I don't really know what how, where he's leaning. I, it's tough to get a sense of where he's leaning with the transfer. Um, I would expect a decision probably definitely by the end of the month before, from Murphy. And overall, he would just be a huge pickup. He would be able to spell uh, e- either Ito Horton or Femi Odukale at the two. Probably be ahead of uh, Femi if he decides to come to Pitt. And that brings me to my next topic, which is can he get a sit-out waiver? Um, can he get a waiver to be eligible immediately? Excuse me. Um, obviously, that's one of the big things among transfers. Pitt did not apply for a waiver for Ethel Horton. Obviously, many speculated some concerns about tampering. But you've seen in recent years, the NCAA is extremely unpredictable when it comes to giving guys waivers. Obviously, they've talked about getting rid of the sit-out rule where you have to sit out for a year after you transfer schools. So if Pitt can have Murphy next year, that would be huge for the depth on the wing and at the two-guard spot. Um, Obviously, added three-point shooting, which you can never have enough three-point shooting, especially since Pitt was the worst three-point shooting team in the ACC last year. So he would add some shooting, some length, 
some experience. And overall, Trey Murphy would be a very solid pickup for Pitt next season. And the other guy Pitt's looking at on the wing is Will Jeffries. He's a superb athlete coming out of Erie McDowell High School. He reclassified from 2021 to move up to the class of 2020. Um, Pitt appears to be the favorite right now, but Baylor, UVA, Villanova, Penn State are also pushing very hard for him. And to round out his final 10, he's looking at Vanderbilt, Stanford, Northwestern, and Memphis. Um, academics are huge priority for Jeffries. Obviously, you saw some great academic institutions there with uh, UVA, Notre Dame, Vanderbilt, Stanford, Northwestern. He's a great student. He's already taken a lot of college-level classes. His mom is a doctor. So academics are huge for him. Even though Pitt, they're ahead of Baylor and um, I believe Penn State in this regard, but it's still some tough competition academically. Obviously, Vanderbilt, Stanford, Northwestern, Notre Dame. Um, Pitt appears to be the favorite at this point. Baylor is making a push for um, Jeffries. Baylor's been mentioned as the other school um, really pushing for him. And if Baylor is the other school who's really pushing for him, that makes me, if I'm a Pitt fan, that makes me, as a Pitt fan, that makes me a lot more comfortable because Jeffrey's going to Baylor just, it doesn't seem like a great fit in terms of a, just a culture standpoint. Um, Pitt is obviously much closer to home, much better academically. Baylor's one of the worst schools academically on the list I just named. Uh, and Pitt's closer to home. His mom's a doctor, so academics once again. And I just I see Jeffries ending up at Pitt. He's a he's gonna be only seventeen next season, so I don't know how much he'll be able to contribute. A redshirt is possible. I don't think it'll happen, but I Pitt fans are expecting twenty plus twenty to thirty minutes a game from him. I would not be as optimistic. I believe he'll be a very good player by the time he's a junior and a senior, but he's still so young. Most guys, first season in college, they're 19 years old or 18 years old, not 17. He's extremely young, but I think at the three and the four in the future, he'll prove to be a very good player. Obviously, he's a great athlete, good length on the perimeter, very good defender. Just an overall, he's a great kid off the court also. And I think he's going to be a great pickup for the Panthers. I, I see Pitt landing him. Uh, the last guy Pitt's been in on is uh, Adamus Nogo. He's a big man, a center from Mali, who he obviously, Kareem Koulibaly, Pitt center right now. He's also from Mali. Uh, Adamus Nogo, he played against Rutgers blue chip four-star commit Cliff Omiori a few times this year. And Sinogo dominated him. Cliff Omiyori is regarded as one of the best big men prospects in the class of 2020. But Sinogo dominated Omiyori. And that just shows you how good he is. He's very good footwork, very soft touch around the rim. Good athlete. Uh, Sinogo's still in the class of 2021 at this point. But it's a possibility that he could move up to the class of 2020. Obviously, reclassification is a bit difficult right now, especially considering the circumstances. But I believe Sonogo, if he reclassifies, Pitt would love to have him as an addition to the front court next year. Obviously, the connection to Kareem Koulibaly, they're both from Mali. They both know each other. I think that that can only help. He's also down to, um, I know Memphis is pushing hard for him. 
he'll be a tough he'll be a tough land. Obviously, Pitt has some tough company. Maryland, Nebraska, also pushing hard for Sonogo. It'll be a tough one for Pitt to land, especially with the current circumstances. But I wouldn't count the Panthers out of Adama Sonogo. All right. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. And obviously, at the beginning, I was alluding that we were going to have a very special guest on next episode. Next week, we are going to be joined by Chet Mason, the high school coach and mentor of Pitt commit John Hughley. So that should be very exciting. I know we've got some great stuff coming next week with Chet. And thank you for listening.